If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. longer in my third. It's the completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, May 12th, 2020. That's behooded Ian Ferguson. It's me. I could probably take the hood off. I'm old old man Pat Contry. Today in the show, we'll be talking about lots of fun stuff. We'll be talking about uh, Billy Mitchell suing a YouTuber named Apollo Legend for $1 million to say the Saturn 25th anniversary. We'll talk about that Quibi streaming app service. That's an interesting little thing going on. Uh, Patreon poll, Q&A, talk about dog murder as well in Last of Us 2. Jesus, why? And, and and other things. So we're on hair update week 14 now. Now it's starting to get a little troublesome. I predicted this a couple weeks back. It's starting to get a little little flurryish with the hair right now. Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm going to go out and protest at, at my state's capital in order to reopen barbershops and, and hair colors, but I'm just saying I might have to do something my, about this myself in a few weeks if it goes a little bit a little bit longer uh, there. Real quick at the top, we got, we got a Blu-ray giveaway from our friends at Paramount are giving away five Blu-rays Woo! of Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. Get ready for epic fun and supersonic action. When everyone's favorite hedgehog raised his home in the blockbuster hit Sonic the Hedgehog. This giveaway is in support of the release of the film, which is available on digital now and arrives on 4K and Blu-ray on May 19th. So just follow me on Twitter, and I'm going to tweet this out, this contest out, uh, probably tomorrow, Wednesday the 13th. I'm going to tweet it out and just retweet that and follow me. The same thing I did with the uh, giveaways for the certain NES guidebook. And they're going to pick a winner. Paramount. There you go, Ian. You might get this copy. Yay. If you're nice to me, this podcast. Uh-huh. Thanks so much to them again. Our buddies there at Paramount. Um, so, yeah, I did my uh, my 40th birthday stream on Saturday. I think you, you were in there for a little bit. One of the first times you checked out one of my streams, I think. No, I've, I've checked your streams out before. I was in there for a little bit. It didn't seem like you were having fun with the games. Um, no, that's that's totally a mischaracterization. I was having fun with the games. Of course, you know, the top... Okay, that, that's a, I'm just saying... I like, cut my fucking legs out from under I, me. I did. I just so said you I, didn't seem like you were having very um, much fun I, with the I, games. I had a lot of fun playing Bonk. Okay. I, I had a lot of fun uh, playing... Vigilante, I did not have a lot of fun playing, because I realized with Vigilante that the only, only way I beat it as a kid is that you conserve enough health, because the last guy is bullshit, and you are bound to get take hits no matter what. So it's just a war of attrition. Uh, and that's what we discovered. There was no strategy at all to beating that guy because if, if you jump kick him once, he'll kiss, like hit you the next three times, then you kick him again. So Vigilante can eat me. That game is not good, but I had it as a kid, so I loved it. But it was a fun... It was, I love it. I think it's a fine game. Uh, no, it's fine. Uh, anyway, so we raised money for the COVID-19 Solidarity Response Fund. 
Um, so that's going to be, I'll, I'll be putting that money in as soon as the bits come in uh, this month uh, from Twitch. We raised about $1,050, and Google does a two-to-one dollar match. So Sweet. It, it ends up being around 3100 or something like that, Pat Math uh, there. So thanks so much for coming out. Otherwise, all I did on my 40th birthday was I, I ordered Mexican food at night. I ordered a breakfast burrito. What did you get? Breakfast burrito, surf burrito? Yes, yes. My favorite breakfast burrito. And I got nachos, and it's becoming harder and more difficult for me to eat nachos month over month I might have to stop with the nachos but the burrito is, is, is not as bad as the, the greasiness of the, of the nachos my body's chemistry is a little changing a little bit the past couple months eating a little cleaner there but no it was it was a nice 40th birthday I don't I don't look at my 40th as being something where wow my, my life is half over or things you know it's, it's not like this divergent path or a, a self-reflective point like some people when they get to be 40 like I think that was, that was happening more when I turned 30 I turned 30 when I was in San Diego mm-hmm. uh, next year, a, a year after I moved here, less than a year. When I turned 30, I was like, okay, now I'm 30. I'm no longer like a young kid anymore. I got to get my life together. When I was 30, I didn't really have much figured out yet in terms of what I really wanted to do. I hated my day job, and um, I had really nothing established here yet in San Diego in terms of like really friends or like a, even, a, even a routine yet when I was here less than a year. But obviously a lot's happened the past 10 years. Uh YouTube channel got a lot bigger. Podcast started. Um, lots of projects and, and and video game eaters and you know books and things like that and and, and apps that odds and sods of things as my grandmother used to say. Yes. Is that a real saying? Is that's that what is, my grandma used to is say? Is that an old timey odds and Scottish sods saying? Odds and sods. Odds and sods. Um, so I don't look at it being forty as 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 like a being shameful or like oh wow now you're officially old i think you just have to realize if you're at a point in your life where are you comfortable with where you are in your progress or not and and that's where i think where age comes into if, you, if you're not happy with where you are or or where you're even going then some people i think might look at being 40 as like something to be shameful of or oh i can't believe it otherwise i'm like yeah, i'm fine i got i got stuff going on i got i got stuff and i got i got buns in the oven no i don't wait i got i got What's what is what is it? Fires in the pan? No, I I always get that saying wrong. I got stuck. You got happening. pokers and a lot of different fires. And that sounds dirty, but okay, you don't get that burned in certain areas. What do you think, Ian? When, you, when you're going to be forty in what a couple years? Yeah, I don't give a shit. You don't care? No, it's just a number. No, I I am oddly um, not particularly concerned about my age, and um, oddly. Not particularly concerned with mortality. I have. You want to go tomorrow? I can. I can arrange it. I know a guy. I mean, it's. <laughs> I just. I. I don't. I always worry about other people dying, not me dying. Really? Yeah, I don't want other people to die, but I'm you're, honestly you're, not that concerned. Do you ever about think about like myself. Memorial Day? They would, they would hold if you died. Do you ever think about who would come out for it? That's the only thing I think about. It's like who would actually come out and like show up. I don't worry about no. I I, I it, it it's strange, despite the fact that I've been known to have like I have bad anxiety, and that's known. Death and mortality is not on the top of my list well, of things that I get I get concerned about. It's it's just it's going to happen. Um, I wish I was a little bit more concerned about it because I feel like it might put a little bit more of a fire under my ass to do some things. But I'm just I'm not. Well, it shouldn't be mortality that pushes you to want to do something. It should be like you know I guess self growth and. Well, I, I, no. Just, just the realization that time is limited. You know, I'm not. I'm great. That's good. Uh, anyway, it's just like move nothing. It was just well, it was, it was a f- good timing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not particularly worried about turning forty. 
I, I, like, I've been, I've been let's saying this way. If, if, if I felt the same way I did at 30 now, mm-hmm. I would feel like shit. Sure. Like I said, because I was directionless, kind of aimless at 30. I had moved here to kind of get a fresh start. And yeah, I had my YouTube channel, but I had like, in 2010, I had like 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. It was definitely just a hobby. That's when people say they look at the, oh, the good old days of your channel. It's like there were never good old days because no one was watching those videos back then. You know, it was not going to be a, you know, a, a career at all or anything. And, and podcasting wasn't really a thing 10 years ago yet, really. It was still like not even a thought uh, to, to most people as, as a widespread thing. Um, so a lot's happened, obviously, the last 10 years, and YouTube's uh, changed. And, and there wasn't, you know, uh, look at, just look at what's happened the past 10 years, and I guess everyone's adapted with the times. Sure. Like it's the, the amount of technology that's changed in 10 years is like thir- almost 10, 20, 30. It's like 30 years any other time in history, at least to me, with how much has changed, even on the internet, uh, with technology and smartphones and everything. So I'm just, I'm just rambling now. I'm talking like a, yeah. an old man. Yeah, I can't, I can't program to VCR. Um, so, so Ian, what have you been doing? Uh, you know, have you, have you been, have been getting up, upset about not being able to do things with the, with the, with the staying in or now you, you're making do? No, I'm making do. Um, I'm getting a little, little cagey, but, um, honestly, I think as the time has gone, I, I, I've been getting a little bit cagey this past week, but it was interesting. As time has gone I'm on, when cagey. I started, when, when the lockdown started, I couldn't do anything but pace. That's all I did. I just paced back and forth. It's good salsa. Couldn't, um, no, it's not. Ooh, that's bad salsa. I think it's, 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 it's better, it's a better shelf brand salsa. I, you could, I guess you could do worse, yes. Yes, you could. Anyway. Um, you could do Tostito salsa. Oof, that's not, like water. Not good. Not good at all. Um, but, uh, and I couldn't play games, read, or anything like that, but I've gotten to the point where I can relax a little bit, been able to play some of my games, uh, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of PC Engine, obviously, I mentioned that, um, but uh past couple weeks I've been playing uh, a ton of Streets of Rage 4 um I want to touch quickly on the limited run situation that seemed to be a uh a, a, a brief moment in drama um there was some there there was basically I I, I don't want to say too much because I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what's known and what's not but Largely, limited run is actually, from what I understand, pretty fairly um, developer, uh, pro-developer. Um, the reason why you see uh, some of these games that they've put out get uh, other print runs or different print runs is they, they, they don't sign exclusivity deals with their, um, with their developers. That's very much a pro-developer move. They can developer gets the rights back to their game. Uh, and they can go do what they want with it. Sure. Um, so what happened was, is Limited Run had a limited edition. Last time. And um, the uh, game developer, .mu, went and did another one with Merge in the UK. There was a kerfluffle over... Um, apparently there was a news article that came out that said that Limited Run was trying to block them from putting that up. It was actually a news article? believe it I was let me see if I can pull up the exact article um but essentially the, the, there there was falsehoods thrown around saying that limited run was trying to block people from uh ordering this merge one which isn't true um because you can still order the streets of rage one on there I mean there yeah so what happened was is people uh, got mad because the shipping from uh the lim- for the limited run ones is expensive people were canceling uh and ordering the merge one which is fine 
you know, get the one that's cheaper for you in terms of shipping. But people seem to think that there was some sort of impropriety coming from Limited Run with it. And I, I, I think it's odd that Limited Run can get themselves into a situation like this by being pro-developer and then end up being called anti-developer. Well, there's, it's there, dumb. People don't a, know what's going on. There's a weird anti-Limited Run backlash um, oh, I've I've oh. been vocal with my issues yeah. with limited run, but at the at the the heart of it, they do a lot of good as well. I'm 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 just saying I'm not going to pretend like I've never said anything bad about limited run, but a lot of the problems they've fixed and they've worked on over the years. A lot it's of the issues a, that I had have been fixed. It's a growing business, and it was very it was a very new idea at the time. It's a company that's only like was it three and a half years old? Yeah. At this point, I mean that's all it is. Right. It started with a handful of people, and they're and they're growing by leaps and bounds. And and now they have. It used to be like, oh, we do like one or two releases a month. Now it's like a release every other day. You can't keep track of it anymore. And yes, there's a lot of games that you would never even heard of if not for a limited run doing the releases. And and so they are making developers a lot more money and getting them a lot more exposure than what you would have seen before. And of course, now there's a few different companies that are doing these limited types of releases, um, based off of what limited run and their, su- their success so the attacks I see against them are just so strange and a lot of it comes down to what you know why are these so limited and you know it's a scalper market and it's like you know it, it's sort of it is what it is they'd go out of business if they took one long, wrong step and say oh we're going to do 200,000 of these and they didn't sell them they'd be done well that's kind of my point they don't really operate like that anymore it's mostly a pre-order based system which fixes that people get the stuff that they want now no one's really worried about getting it anymore i think a lot of people just hold a lot of resentment from limited run from those times years, it was from, only that. from from where that was yeah. actually a much bigger deal yes their limited editions are at, like they have boxed sets and things like that that are truly limited sure. but that's no different than anywhere else sure if you just want a physical copy of the game you can get it so that's something to say and i don't i, I don't i don't want to be accused of uh you know um Going to bat for him? Yeah. I mean, I'll go to bat. They're, I mean, they're when, nice people. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I, I'm, just, saying, I, I'm just saying I don't want to be accused of uh, there being some sort of impropriety here. No. Um, because people will do that. But the fact of the matter is uh, I, I I feel like Limited Run has very much turned into um, a company for over its, from its beginning to now has very much fixed a lot of their problems. I think they're a good company. And I think it, it the, the, the issue really does boil down to by being good to developers, they found themselves in this situation where many people are now thinking that by canceling their orders, because now there's another company doing a, a limited edition in the U.S., they think they're doing the right thing by canceling their orders with limited run to get this other company's version. This other company's version wouldn't exist if limited run hadn't initially done the right thing and let the developers have the exclusivity rights back to their game. Sure. So it's one of those it's inter- silliness. It's one of those instances where doing the right thing will cause you to get bit in the ass sometimes. It's, it's just silliness. We're talking about we're talking about physical versions of, of, of games and and people bitching about what company. It's 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 the most silly. I hate to say first world problems. Where it's like the pinnacle of, of worrying about something that doesn't matter. Yeah. And I know people get on and say, oh, you're allowed to. Yeah, you're allowed to bitch about whatever you want. But it's like, at some point, how fucking silly are you looking? Right. Oh, no, there's too many options for your physical copy of a game now. Jesus Christ. I can buy from another... Shut up. Oh, forgot to bring up my Cats in Space card that my friend gave me. Um, I'm going to put it up here. (laughs) That's a pretty fucking badass card. (laughs) All right. 
All right. That's going up here. Anyway. That's an expensive card. It's a that's, good card. That's one of those cards that costs like, you know, 10 bucks to get. Yeah. Yep, thereabouts. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, continuing on. Um, there was some uh, exciting news, at least for me this morning, uh, that came quickly. Um, I'll just touch on it briefly. Quickly, huh? uh, Tony Hawk 1 and 2 is getting a remaster and re-release for um, Xbox One PlayStation 4, not Switch, sadly. Uh, at least uh. not right now. I think it's, Steam was the other place. Um this was announced via a text message from Tony Hawk to people who signed what? up for his his text messaging service where he will text you. Tony Hawk's um, a text message service? I guess. Tony Hawk's online personality is one of the greatest his Twitter is one of the best Twitters you can follow. I don't think I've ever been on seen one of his tweets. I think about. it's hilarious. It's all it's existential dread in a Twitter. It's all about him going places and people being like, "You look like Tony Hawk," and him being like, "Yep, that's because I am." <laughs> Like, he's nice about it. He takes it all in stride. But it's really it's really fun to watch Tony Hawk grow old. Um, I he's wish like I, almost 50 by now? He is 50. I wish wow. I, I hope I age as gracefully as Tony Hawk. Um, so part one and two are coming to the systems. Uh, the first thing that I think a lot of people asked and I asked was, is it going to have the original soundtrack? And yes, both of the games are going to have the original they soundtrack. I'm going to be skating to B-Boy Document 98 again like it was the original days. Was. It's a fucking great song. Bring it up. I, I played a little um, Tony Hawk uh, with again on my, on my cousin's PlayStation and my, my friend's uh, PlayStation. Uh, but... Yeah, they were fun. It was B-Boy Document 99, I'm sorry. Fucking great How track, though. You, Fantastic track. Um, they This comes out actually sooner than... Uh, well, no, not soon enough. September 4th? My wow. mind is all... I guess that's kind of soon. That's, that's what is it, months. May? It's May, right? Yeah, it's May. I don't know. I, the fucking... Passage of time is all screwed up. It really shows you just how how just ill equipped we are to handle anything because we we've been in uh, lockdown for like not even two months really, no. and we're all we're going out of our fucking minds already. As creatures, we need routine. A little bit of this has really taught me like how important it is when when you get old and they say after you retire you, you need a something. routine. You need well, a fucking routine. You need one. You need to do been, something. Yeah. Well, well, well. Here's the thing. I'm I'm at home most of the time anyway, um, but I've been working in things like I, I've actually been exercising a lot more um, the past couple months. So that, that's helpful. I've been eating that much. I've actually I've been eating a little bit. Well, whatever. So there's a point. You're happy with seeing the remakes coming out, obviously, because because for, for a while everyone yes. just wanted to get a new one. Well, I'm happy with the remakes because I think the second game is probably the most perfect one. Okay. The first one has great level design. Um, they're adding all the new things that were added, uh, I think, through at least part four, if not further, have been added, so there'll be reverts, manuals, lip tricks, and... Um, say lip tricks? Lip tricks, yeah. A flip? What? Lip. Oh, lip, oh, the lip of the... Okay. Yes. Like grinding Like stuff. coping. Well, sure. Um, there's going to be some uh, things added to it uh, that weren't in the original versions. Gotcha. Um, and it looks like all around this should be a much better release for Tony Hawk than the ill-fated Pro Skater 5. I did see that there was people who were upset that it wasn't a skate game or it wasn't a new Tony Hawk. Um I liked the skate series, and I would love to see another, you know, skate game. But um, I am, I am very, very happy that this is coming out. I've been craving 
Tony Hawk lately. I, so and I, I can't. Maybe they'll put in a couple extra little bonus little areas or whatever. You don't know. I'm sure they will. You but uh, with online play, all the original modes, I think um, the Creator um, Park will be back, which is one of my sure. favorite things. If there's online sharing for Creator Parks, that's be awesome, right? That, that, that's it. Yeah. We can hang out and just you can just watch people skate too, and be like, yeah, we'll just hang out. So yeah, I'm looking <laughs> forward to that. Looking forward to that quite a bit. And then um, let's see, it's going to be PC, Xbox One, PS4. We don't know about um, Switch yet. Probably not. It'll blow up your switch. I, I I love that we're back in the mode how it used to be because the fact that they kept this under wraps until only four months before it's getting released, that's how you do it, I guess the best you can. Sure. It used to be like with Fire Pro, they'd announce like a month and a half before those iterations and they come out. Like, okay, great. So not worry about oh, it's gonna come out three years from now. I'd rather be surprised like this if I was looking forward to it. Nintendo, I think, does a generally good job of that on their direct. People say that, you know, there's not a lot of news in the directs, but it's because they don't with some of their games they'll lead by a couple of years, like obviously a new Zelda and a yeah. new Mario. But a lot of times the direct, you know, it's available like, tomorrow, what? Available <laughs> now or, yeah. you know, comes out in three months. And yeah, I I, I I think other companies are probably doing that a bit better now too. I just don't pay attention to them as much. It's nice that the, you know, uh, time from announcement to release date is pretty short. Yeah, you you can do that. I now. think it's more effective to do that than going years off for especially a lot of these little games. You know, like Clubhouse Games comes out. What is it in like uh, three four weeks? Um, that's um, that's going to still be, be on people's minds. If they said, oh, a year out, it's like who cares? It's not right. big enough a game to care about it. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of the way the information is consumed. Now, back with when magazines were your main source of video game news, you needed to be reminded about that stuff once a month for a while to get yeah, interested right. in it. But now they can bring it up three months in advance and you know release screenshots every single day. Yeah, and you you don't you won't forget. You know, it's, it, it's the, easy. The hype train has a, has a has a shorter track. Yeah, it's easy to remember movie trailers versus just seeing screenshots in a magazine too it, it, does, it hits you a little bit different sure speaking of uh what was a playstation game playstation studios was announced this morning which is basically just a brand that they're gonna um have alongside the first party or not even first party the exclusive playstation games on ps5 <clears throat> there's they're just gonna uh you know for uh, they're gonna have it under its own umbrella i guess so it's better for the brand cohesion and it doesn't confuse people as much i guess it's just easier to track so they had the video a little like marvel studios type of little trailer that if you saw it and it has um characters from uncharted in there little big planet god of war ratchet and clank horizon zero dawn and the last of us so it's like we're trying to get it all under one umbrella here just so we know that there's still a reason for you to own a specific console versus not (laughs) that's basically what it is getting harder and harder for me to be convinced of any any of that like with the marvel like the marvel like studios they last like 30 seconds there's a lot of stuff going on with this it's like oh it's like seven different games right then you're then you're out i mean there's there's more than seven exclusives but like it's not it, it's gonna be hard well, i mean they're gonna show the big ones I'm going to show the big ones there. Uh, you, you've seen the animated... Let's see. Where is it? We think this is a good way to let consumers know that if they see it, then the quality games they've come to expect from us are here. And this brand, your favorite world, word, will exist for well-known existing franchises as well as brand new franchises we have yet to explore. Sony's PS4 games will also carry the PlayStation Studios branding, but it won't be ready in time for the launch of The Last of Us Part Two or Ghosts of... Tsushima, uh, Tsushima, Tsushima. With, with they're both to arrive later this summer. It'll also miss the launch of Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. 
Um, although Lempel says that any future games it releases on other platforms will also carry the branding. Oh, so if it releases elsewhere, it'll still say PlayStation Studios, even if it's not on the PlayStation. Yeah. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. I get it. Which is still, I guess, hey, it's the first step forward toward not needing to own the console anyway, if I can get it on the PC. For the average consumer, it's not always clear what games come directly from our worldwide studios. Well, there you go. Just a little thing. I mean, smart, I guess, to do that. Yeah. Just to make sure, hey, this is what you're getting with our with our console there. No no thoughts on it besides that? No. No, I mean, I, it's just a, I'm not going to get excited about a new splash screen. All right. I want to talk about this Last of Us 2 thing. Uh, this is from a Polygon article. GameStop is way too excited about the Last of Us 2 dog murder. It's listed as one of the game's features on GameStop GameStop's website. And it is... Um, it, it's kind of funny that that's something that's... Here's the thing. I'm not sure GameStop wrote that up, though. I think the studio might have written nope, that up. Nope, nope. If you read the article, it, it says that, that the studio did not send any directive to them to include that. That was very much GameStop. Then they're insane, then. Yes. I mean, someone would be insane regardless, but no, it, it was said in, in the article somewhere, it says that they weren't directed to include Okay, that. then I'm going to read it. Dogs. One of the most noticeable new features of the game is the inclusion of dogs. These dogs are in the game... Uh, to follow your scent and will attack you as soon as they've sniffed you out. The game doesn't pull any punches or, in quotes, stray from the idea that while you're playing as Ellie in a struggle to survive, killing dogs is necessary. You'll also have to deal with the fact that each dog has an owner, which will call out the dog's name and cry in absolute horror when they discover their lifeless fairy best friend. You've been warned. I don't think this is selling me on the game. No, with this, with this write-up, with this with this ad copy. No, it doesn't doesn't sell me it, on it either. It, it's funny that it goes from that to puzzles and dedicated dodge button. Which okay, that's that's cool. Dedicated dodge button. That sounds great. I don't I don't see why even if this, if this I guess this is true in the game. I don't want to play a game like this regardless. I, I don't like games like this. Uh, to, or. You know, but that's uh, horrific. First of all, I don't want to experience that in a game, but to even write about it makes it seem awful. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's like bad. Even The Walking Dead doesn't do shit like that, where it's like having your your, your pets being killed willy nilly. I can't remember many times The Walking Dead. And I watched the first five or six seasons where like a dog was brutally killed. Like even they stay away from stuff like that. I don't want to see my little kitty cat, you know, being killed by some zombie or some asshole in the, in the post-apocalypse. I get you know? it. They're going for gritty realism, and I Fuck get it, it that that's what some people want. I don't. Not right now, at least. Uh, I I like depressing things. Like I love depressing yeah. albums, but most depressing albums are over in about forty-five minutes to an hour. <laughs> I love yeah. depressing movies, but depressing movies generally an hour and a half to two hours. I like depressing things that I can get in and done with fairly quickly. I don't know that I want to play a you know a, a 30 hour game that's just going to gruelingly fucking beat me in the eyeballs with sadness. Like I just I don't, I don't want to do it. This is what I'm going to say to these dog owners in this post-apocalyptic future here. Maybe not train your dogs to kill. Maybe you keep them nice and cuddly and they come up to Ellie and you just pet them. And then everyone wins. No, that sounds bad though. You need protection. Would you train a, a cute dog in the future to, to kill? No. I Random people? But I probably wouldn't stop it from being defensive of me. This doesn't sound like the defensive. These are seeking you out and, and chomping at you. Yeah, that's fair. And it forces me to, to stab one in the neck with a screwdriver. Whew. That's what's going on there. Whew. Well, there you go. That's going to be a fun game. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Nintendo took down the unofficial Super Mario 64 PC port 
Well, we didn't even chance to really discuss this that much because it happened so quickly, but this is not obviously a shock to anyone. No, it's not. There's really nothing more that can be said about it. Um, you know, from what I hear, it's, you know, from that what that article even says, it's probably still out there hiding somewhere, but it's going to stay hidden and all of the, um, you know, major uh, download links that were found were shut down. Um, it sucks. But I don't think anyone was, you know, expecting it to stay up. And at this point, I don't think anyone making this stuff is expecting it to stay up either. No. And this is one of those instances where I can't, like, I can't fall back on the old crutch that I usually use in this instance. Like, if it's a fan game, you know, you can say, well, that's cool that you were inspired, but make it your own. Give it its own title. You know, do your own thing with it. That way Nintendo won't come after you. This is a direct port of a game. Like, the, you know... Like it's, a, it's the game. It was... Yeah, this person wanted to do it and show that they could, and they did, and I'm certain they knew it was going to get taken down, and uh, I'm, I have a feeling that they're probably not very upset about that yeah, or anything. This, 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 happened, this, is, there's, there's, this happened like seven times now. Yeah, this is just what was going to happen. The Metroid Prime uh, re-release... or. or Remastered before the re-release. Uh, Met- no, Not Metroid, Met- Metroid Two. Metroid Return Two. Of Samus. Um, and then there's the Pokemon game we spoke about, where it was literally okay. It's a Pokemon game, just oh, using pretty. Nintendo's assets. It was really nice. And, then, and there was like three other ones that have happened. And Nintendo is more litigious. The more you encroach on them selling, you're you're putting out a product that they sell or or can make money off of. So they don't care about everything. But when it's the game stuff directly. Yeah, and especially when uh, allegedly or rumoredly uh, a rumor that they might be remaking this themselves, and obviously you're stepping on their toes, right? Directly. Sure, sure. So it's like, of course, they're going to come after you, uh, hardcore on that. Um, let's see. I was going to talk about the the Last of Us. Excuse me, the Last Dance, not Last of Us. The Last Dance on ESPN about the, the the Bulls in their last season, but you haven't been watching it. No, I'm going it's, to watch uh, it once the last episodes come out. I'm just going to binge it. It's, it's, like I said, it's I, outstanding. I, I need to get an... I, 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 I need to... I need to cleverly access the ESPN uh, streaming app. Yeah. Um, but it's on TV as well. You can come over and... They're all on my YouTube TV, which is, by the way, YouTube, YouTube TV is fantastic. I, I should have got rid of cable like two years ago. Anyway... Um, I love it because Michael Jordan was like my arch nemesis in the 90s because if it wasn't for Michael Jordan, the Knicks probably would have won like two championships because they went through the Knicks like th- like three or four times out of their six championships to get to the, Fuck the, the finals. Knicks. Fuck the Knicks. Um, so, but Talking seeing how much of a competitive psychopath is from Jordan's own words makes us okay, yeah, I don't feel as bad now that they beat the Knicks because this is the guy that had to do it. Like he's... right. That's why he, he's the best because he was a bru- like brutal competitor, um, cursing out teammates. They showed the footage of him like I mean we knew about this, but seeing him calling a teammate a hoe, like make that free throw hoe, like and it's like and the guy and the guy talking to was like the nicest guy in the world. It's like, it's like yeah, you know, take it in stride. They interview him. He's like you know that's Jordan, but it's like he was vicious Jordan to his teammates. Talk about getting the fight with Steve Kerr and other teammates and man. And 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 yeah. So anyway, watch the last dance. I, any ESPN documentary, most of, I say ninety percent of them are, are fantastic. I still got to watch the thirty for thirties. I haven't watched like any of them. You haven't watched any of them? Mm-hmm. I haven't had I haven't had cable TV since those were really like. Well, those are all in the ESPN a uh, big plus. Thing. Yeah, so you can watch those uh, if you bundle it with Disney Plus and Hulu Plus, whatever. It's like oh, so Last Dance isn't on ESPN Plus. I heard nope. it was. Oh, they'll oh they'll put it on. No, but they're doing they're doing two episodes every every Sunday. Right. But I'm sure they're on it right afterwards. Oh, yeah. okay. 
yeah, I'm saying, I gotta check that. But ESPN, ESPN Plus does have all the 30 for 30s on it. But now they're showing more and more of it. There's nothing else to, there's no sports to show. Mm. But this is like must see TV because there's nothing else to watch for sports. And like I said, Jordan never does interviews. This is the one time. And I'll just give away one spoiler because it's really telling. Um, at the end of episode, uh, I believe it's seven, when they go through the, him treating his teammates like assholes and being really hard on people, and that's what he's known for. He talks about the interviewer asks him, are you a nice guy? And he basically pivots and says, listen, this is what it took to be competitive. Uh, my teammates had no idea what I went through to get to that point, to be that way. And he starts tearing up. Talking about it. He, he goes, I, you know, I, 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 if you were not going to be as competitive as me and, and do what I thought it took to, to win, then I don't need you on my team. And he, he teared up and like walked away from the interview. Like, That's, that like got to him. Like I guess all the criticism in the past like thirty years about how he behaved and how people said you know he's an asshole or whatever. So I was like, okay, you know, it, it's it's a really unique look into the mind of someone and what it takes to be, uh, to get to that level of greatness. And and for Jordan, what it took for him to get there is great, fucking great. And I'm not, and I hated Jordan growing up as a Knicks fan. Um, so finally, in this long intro, which I love these now, there's an NWC card on eBay. Did you ever see it? Real quick, did you ever uh, watch a show called Cheap Seats? What was that about? It was a comedy show. Uh, it was uh, Jason Sklar and uh, Randy and Jason Sklar. Um, oh, the, the twins? Yeah. And in the, like, t- I think it was like 2004, 2005, uh, they did a show, I believe it was on ESPN, where they, like, basically commentated. It was kind of almost a little bit like a, like a, a Mystery Science Theater 3K. Okay, I, I but do they, remember they this. they did commentary over, like, the old Wide World of Sports episodes and stuff I like that. I do remember this. that, yes. And just you bringing up ESPN now, and we had talked about the Ocho a few weeks back. It's made me want to watch them, I and it looks like they're all on YouTube. So I think I might have to have a Cheap Seats Marathon. Okay. That, that's, that, they're hilarious. The, the, the good old Sklar brothers, what have they been up to recently? Season 2, Episode 4, Scrabble and Frizz. Be. Oh, Season Scrabble. one, episode one, Mid South Wrestling, nineteen eighty. Yeah, it's, Ooh, it's, all, all it's, right. it's all good stuff. I love this, this show. They showed Scrabble back then in Wild World of Sports. Wow, that no idea. That's one thing they haven't shown on the Ocho. Mini golf and stuff. They like have that. not shown chess or board games recently on the Ocho. It's all been more physical things, as far as I know. No chess boxing yet, though. I still want to see chess boxing. I'm really interested in that. Um, like the chess box, a few people for real. Um, so anyway, there's an NWC car on eBay right now. And we talked about this a couple months ago. Um, it's going for 130000 Oh, it's buy it now, make an offer. 130000 for a graded uh, WADA 6.0 NWC grade card at one thirty. And the, I guess the new benchmark for NWC cards is, is, is rising based upon private sales and other things going on. Um, so this might become the new normal, but we still have to see one being auctioned off um, at this price. Now, what's interesting with with all this is that we are still waiting for a gold to be sold, even either privately or find out about it, or on the auction site a gold NWC, NWC card to see what it would go for. That's still sort of in the in the nether right now. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think it's a it's going to be interesting to see where this goes the next six six seven months. I don't know it, these people the people who are throwing this money at this. They have enough money to to survive any downturn in the, in the economy for the most part. It's the fringe collectors that w- w- won't um, right. here. So yeah, I, I, that's all I'm going to say. This is this is now stuff that's that's happening more and more. We saw the insane Atari prices. We talked about on the, on the podcast last week for the for the um, 
to see fucking adventure go for several thousand dollars is is fucking insane. It is to me. It or, wild. or Spider-Man on the 2600. Um I don't care if it's if it's unopened or not. Uh these these are dirt common games um that no one talks about or cares about for the most part. So yeah, that that's all I'm going to say about it. And I will say that my NBC grade is in better condition than the 6.0 if I ever got it graded. I will say that. It's probably like a 7 or 7.5. If you were to ever get it graded. If. That's the thing. that Now we're getting at the weird point in time where people might demand you to do that to sell it. Same way with the sure. old comic book. And I'd be like, um, no. <laughs> I'd be like, well, I guess if, 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 if it's really that much more money to get it graded and have it come back and make sure it's okay, I guess. But, you know... I, for the NWC grade cards, I always said it's silly to grade them anyway. It's just silly because they, they're 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 a promo item to begin with. So whatever. So we we done with the intro. Are you looking? I think up, we're done with looking, the intro. Looking up Phoebe Cates over there. What are you looking up? Uh, no, I was just repulling up uh, this topic about Billy Mitchell. Billy, 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 oh, Billy, 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 Billy. Uh, Billy Boy's in Billy. the news. Uh, he's suing uh, Apollo Legend for one. Uh, million. One million dollars. So Apollo Legend is a YouTuber and a speedrunner and he has been documenting the alleged cheating of Billy Mitchell now for what, two years at least? Um, in YouTube videos, they've gotten tons of views. Um, he he met him in person once with, with a Billy Mitchell sort of cosplay, if you've seen that picture. It's cute. And and he does and Apollo's straight out called him, you know, you're a cheater, here's the evidence. Right. You're a cheater. That's that's what Apollo Legend has said. And we talked about last week on the podcast about uh, Billy Mitchell uh, following the defamation suit against Twin Galaxies for you know getting rid of his records and, and banning him based upon the evidence that, you know, his his playthrough of Donkey Kong was on a main ma- machine and, and and not an arcade machine. Um and so Billy, I guess shortly afterward that news came out uh said okay i'm I'm suing apollo legend for calling me a cheater uh here um and there's there's a video up there and it's it's a it's a strange lawsuit and for a lot of reasons why we talked about how it's to be a strange one to sue twin galaxies because you're gonna have to when you sue someone for defamation slander libel you're basically putting yourself on trial when you're doing that at that point which means if this gets to trial Billy's going to have to be deposed and grilled and evidence is going to be coming out against him about if he did cheat the evidence against him. That all comes out at that point. Right. Because you're basically, you're basically, uh, you're basically um, suing in a way freedom of speech. You're basically suing the exception of freedom of speech when you're suing for defamation or libel slander. So, so the burden of, 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 of the, it's a high burden to get to. Right to prove that you were slandered or libeled or defamed. It's it's a and plus Billy's a public figure to begin with, so that's always a little extra caveat when it comes to things. Well, if you're a public figure, you're open to criticism to begin with more than an average person. So calling a public uh, figure potentially a, a cheater is not the same as calling you know someone like a, a, a common citizen a cheater. We'll just say sure that it can affect them a lot more. You know what I'm saying? So there, yeah. There's different levels to all this. I'm not an, a, a legal expert, but I do know a teeny bit when it comes to these, this stuff. So it's, it, it's an interesting video uh, because, well, here's the thing. Apollo legend straight up says, I have the money to defend myself to begin with against this defamation suit. Right. I got the money. I'll cover it. No problem. But he said, we're going to have some fun. So he did. He's doing a GoFundMe campaign to raise funds to counter sue 
Billy Mitchell. Yep. He raised, uh, he was looking for 10000 He raised 20000 It's at 25 I'm recording. 25 You know what? Now. Pat might just give a few bucks right now for the hell of it. Um, so, yes. Sorry. So he gave 20 uh, He was looking for 10000 He raised twenty five now. Um, he put out another video that detailed what would happen to the excess funds. So he'll be giving his attorney uh, 10000 The attorney said it'd be at most around $10,000. That's what the attorney said. Yeah. And, then and he would work off that amount. And donating over $10 to the campaign gets you a copy of Dwayne Richards' upcoming documentary. The verdict is, so some of the money will be going to Richard as a fee for that movie. It looks like Billy Mitchell's crusade against his enemies is far from over. So, yeah. So, um... That should be interesting. Um, what 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 would he? I mean, if you know, but what would he be able to counter sue for? Um, from what I could tell from it about Billy and Billy trying to defend himself, what I think Paul Paul was saying was that he was basically spreading lies about other people, right? Okay, and basically gotcha. kind of doing what he what Billy claims Apollo and other people are doing. He's basically defaming or or slandering other people. Gotcha. That's what, that's what I'm the gist of it. So I see. so this is what I was going to say it's also a nice way to do that because if you get sued by someone, if you counter sue and there's and the lawyer sees legitimacy to that, you're less likely to continue with your own lawsuit, obviously. If now, maybe if I drop my lawsuit, you drop yours, that might be a scenario to get into, but I don't think, I don't think Apollo's going to drop his, no matter what. If he knows he's in the right, and from the evidence that we know, it looks like he's in the right with all this, he's going to sue Billy Mitchell no matter what and, and put an end to this, what he claims is like the bullshit of Billy Mitchell. That's what happens when you th- when you start throwing out lawsuits to try to shut people up. The internet doesn't like that, especially if if you're not in the in the right and throwing out these uh, frivolous lawsuits against people. This is what can happen. Yeah, it's I I would love this to 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 sting Billy, but it's I mean it's going to happen with all the money. Let's see. I'll put my I'll, I'll put my donation right now. Plus, I get the uh, where's my wallet? Fuck. I'll do it afterwards. I need I need my credit card. It looks like to do it. Um, I'll, get, I'll give you a little 20 spot. I want to see the documentary anyway. That'll be fun. So, um, yeah, so check it out. There's also oh, the follow-up video just came out um, yesterday about the excess money. Uh, free public giveaway. I can't randomly give back, backers uh, money back. That would make it a lottery. I, I also can't return the money proportionally because I'd have to do it manually. There's no way I can keep track of it all. I think the best thing to do is to give it out randomly here on YouTube. Stay tuned for details. That's what he would do. Personally, I would give it away to a charity. That's what I would do personally. Yes. If, if I had excess money to some sort of uh, 501c3. But it, it's either way. It's, it's, it's a cool thing to do here. So, yeah, that's the one thing I see with 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 certain people where they that when they when they get criticized they think I'm going to just silence them by 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 suing them and trying to bully them and that always bothers me because that's not what our legal system is for. No. Absolutely not. And and I've seen it a few times uh people try to do that and it's if if you don't get nervous about it if you're in the right you get that lawyer and you and you fire back put up that GoFundMe get that money you know, or in this case, he didn't even need the money to defend himself, Apollo Legend. But for the countersuit, it's like, hey, here we go. We're going to have fun now. So we're going to see this. We're going to see. We're going to. I'm sure we're going to have a, at least a few more updates as we go along the way. Absolutely. About this. About this story. And, and good luck to uh, Apollo Legend. And uh, yeah, don't back down if you think you're in the right. Because here's the thing: if you back down, um, then that gives carte blanche for someone like this to then try to silence other uh, critics. And we don't bullies suck 
I'm very anti-bullying. Yes. In, in all things. So. Big news. Big big numbers. Good numbers. We don't like to celebrate pointless anniversaries. We're not here doing. On the we're not podcast. doing twelve-year anniversaries. No, in the we don't podcast. do. Them. We don't do thirteen. We're not doing forty-two. Forty-two. No, we do zeros and fives. Yes. And the Sega Saturn hit the twenty-five yesterday. Wow. That means that means you can uh, you can rent a car at twenty-five. You can run for Congress at twenty-five. Yeah. Ten years away from uh, that presidential bid. Yep. Uh, so, uh, yes, the Sega Saturn came out uh, March 11th in uh, 1995, yes? 95? Yes. Um, and then what, around this time in May in the, in the, U- in the U.S.? May no, 11th no, no. in North America. Yeah, May 11th in North America. Yes. Um, so the Saturn was uh, Sega's uh, CD-based follow-up to the Genesis. Um and it Sega. had an interesting launch in the uh, U.S. Um, it was originally slated to uh, launch on, I believe it was September 2nd, 1995. Um, but at the very first E3, um, Tom Kalinske uh, announced that it was available right now. For, he, he didn't want to. Nope. Uh, for three ninety nine with a copy of Virtual Fighter. Um, and he, you know, went on to describe the uh, the the features. Said there was a high consumer demand, and that uh, Sega had already shipped thirty thousand uh, Saturn units to Toys R Us, Badges, Electronics Boutique, and Software, etc. This is from uh, the Wikipedia article for immediate release. Um, it upset retailers, um, and it ended up being a uh, bad move for Sega overall. I didn't know this. Uh, KB Toys responded by dropping Sega from the lineup. Uh, entirely. I had no idea that that actually happened. Is that why Sega stuff hit the bargain bin? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, because you need a good relationship with your retailers, and you, and you can't you can't throw them under the bus, and you can't deny them products from the sell competitor gets. Like, you just... That's right. just horrible business. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't just surprise really something and not make sure that all of your retailers... KB was a huge retailer. Yeah, your retail partners Just as big it. as Toys R Us. Um, Sony subsequently unveiled the retail price for the PlayStation. Uh, Olaf Olafsson said the retail price is two ninety nine, and then walked away to applause after the three ninety nine announcement from from the Sega. same Olaf of the Super Nintendo prototype. It's the same Olaf, isn't it? Olaf Olafsson, yes, yeah. I believe so. Um, so yeah, I mean that's I so mean, so 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 Sega Sega wanted to rush this out to beat PlayStation to the punch, right? It sounds like, but they did not. They weren't prepared. At all to do it, right? They in, in terms of the, in terms of production qu- uh, quantity, in terms of letting retailers know what the hell was going on, yep. in terms of laying out a good marketing strategy, and most importantly, not having enough titles to you know to significantly launch with or having a, a set plan. So the U.S. launch titles were not actually all that bad. It was actually a fairly decent uh, lineup of launch titles, but it was very few. Not as few as the Nintendo sixty four later, but um, the U.S. launch titles were Clockwork Night, uh, which Take or leave. Uh, Daytona USA. Okay. Panzer Dragoon. Okay. Pebble Beach Golf Links. Virtual Fighter, which was a great port for the time. Okay. So two Uh, arcade games. And then Worldwide Soccer, Sega International. That's that's a weak. That to me is weak. Uh, I mean, Sony's launch was. You have to understand, though, Sony's launch lineup was no better when it launched. Uh, The Nintendo 64 had a a bad launch lineup. Your launch lineup is not going to necessarily determine your success. Sure. But this is what I'm going to say. 
this is on the tail of two other previous within the past two years disastrous launches almost two and a half years 32x uh, did horribly so you needed to make you need to shore up shore up your fan base to say this is why this is why we made a mistake with the 32x this is why you should own a saturn and i don't see that with with those games um, I'll, I'll make a slight concession. The U.S. launch for the PlayStation was a little bit better than I thought, but honestly not a ton launch? better. Uh, Air Combat, um, which was good, but a you know, basic arcade game. Battle Arenas or Shinden, which does not hold a candle to... Um, that was heavily marketed, though, as a launch time, I remember Yeah, that. but does not hold a candle to uh, Virtual Fighter. Um, ESPN Extreme Games, which is awful, but I actually loved it. Um, Jam Tournament? Was that one? NBA Jam Tournament There edition. you go. Uh, a, a tennis game, Rayman, Ridge Racer, Raiden Bo- Project, both good. Uh, I don't see Raiden Project as a launch title. Uh, I saw it when I, when I looked on the PlayStation Giant Bomb site. Maybe that's is that was that not? I'm looking at a different Wikipedia. Street site. Fighter the movie, Street Fighter the movie, the game, uh, Total Eclipse Turbo, and Zero Divide. That's a better. That's a better launch lineup to me. That's what kind a, of game is Total Eclipse Zero Turbo? What's one? What kind of game is Total Eclipse Turbo? I have no idea. Okay, what kind of type? I mean, it's it's a comparable person shooter. In terms of what I want to play, I would probably pick about I'm just three games you, from each. Uh, well, I'm just telling you because if Raiden Project was there, you have a a, a, a shooter, you have a, a, a action platformer with Rayman, you have NBA Jam tournament, you have you have a fighter. Um, Ridge Racer obviously did huge for them. Street Fighter, you can make fun of that, but that 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 sold some. Street Fighter the movie there. Mm. So here's the point. They didn't have a Sonic game to launch. No. No. They That's didn't. insane. Not to have that, uh, or wait for that ready to go. Well, they never had a Sonic game on the Saturn, period. There was Sonic Jam, but there was no new 3D Sonic game at all That's on a the mistake. Saturn. Which, That's a mistake. Yes, people have said that's a mistake forever and ever. You can't really. Why am I new... buying your console? Yeah, you can't take your new system and not have your, you know, your most popular game. Would, would you imagine if Nintendo said, you know, we're going to skip Mario on our system? Like, be like, what? Excuse like excuse me, like like wh- like why why would you do that? The most bankable hit that you have on your console, like so, why would like why would you even think about that? But I do think disastrous. Uh, yeah, the, the, there was a lot of things that led into the Sega Saturn being um, a failure. And Tom Kalinske, they, 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 in the U.S., he tried to he tried to because uh, he was obviously responsible for a lot of the success of the Genesis, and they, for this they didn't listen to him. Right, they were just like, no, we're going to do it. Then he quit. Was he quit shortly after that? He was he was out because he didn't he, he didn't want to be around for that anymore. But Saturn was quite popular in Japan, um, and it did have a fan base here. Um, I did not have much experience with the Saturn early on. It wasn't until later. Um, I do actually very much enjoy the Sega Saturn today as a system. I think it's a, a very good system. Um, a lot of good import games, and even some good stuff in the U.S. Um, it's Vani's favorite system. It's my wife's favorite system. Um, Try to get the breakdown of sales in North America versus Japan. Where is it? It's not on the Wikipedia. It just says 9.26 million total. I always love uh, the story about how Vani got her Saturn, which was um, taking her limo deposit for prom and uh, buying the Saturn instead and telling her date that uh, her date's parents would have to drive them to prom instead. So her Saturn is named Prom Date, and that's the one that we've kept alive through repairs (laughs) for many, many years. Fair enough. Oh, here we go. It was uh, $5.75 million in Japan, which surpassed the Genesis sales there of $3.58 million. So it did about 50% better um, in Japan. And then $1.8 million in the U.S. 
and then uh, one million in Europe, and wow, that's awful. Yeah, and five hundred thirty thousand elsewhere. It did only one point eight million in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, it was not Holy a success. Holy shit! I, I like the system, but it was not a success. That said, um, I could go on about the good games for a long time, and I won't. But uh, you know, suffice to say, it has a uh, really good shooter library. Um, at the time, it had a great fighting game library, and the fighting games generally performed much better than their PlayStation counterparts. Um, Nintendo or Nintendo Sega's focus on getting arcade conversions right was something that uh, has always, I think, set them apart, and especially during the Saturn and then into the Dreamcast era, yeah. they carried that on to the Dreamcast. That, that's how they start their systems, even with the Genesis. We're going to get the cool arcade ports, yeah. But then you have to obviously and, and build always, off of that, and they've always been good at it. I mean, the the, the uh, alt, you know. All the stuff they had on the Genesis was great for its time, and then the Saturn and the Dreamcast as well. So, to, so, g- to give you an idea of how far it dropped, dropped the Genesis did the Genesis did thirty. Let's see, we'll just say around thirty-two million units. The Sega Genesis thirty point seven five, and then said the Majesco re-release uh, or the later ones was one point five. We'll just say about thirty-three. The Genesis, the Majesco would have been, that would have been like the Gen 3. The Gen 3, that piece of garbage. The 1.5 million, that many, wow. We'll just say it did about 32 to 33 million. I feel like those probably did fine because they were like in Toys R Us's and stuff, like in stacks. I remember seeing them for like 20 bucks. Oh, okay. At the very end, like 97? Yeah, 20, 30 bucks. I think that was like, you know, you could get those, you could get the Gen Model 3s really cheap. Because I remember being young and like having my first job and being in a Toys R Us and being like, holy shit, I could buy another Genesis right now if I wanted to with what's in my fucking pocket. So then three years later, in 92, they come out with the Sega CD, which had a lifetime sales of 2.24 million. I'm surprised it was that many. Um, 2.24 million. The best selling game was Sonic CD with 1.5 million. Again, so it was it was it's actually less than uh, I thought it would have. That that was universal sales. I'm looking at Wikipedia. Two point no, two four million. I'm not questioning you. I'm just no asking. Yeah, I'm just saying that's, that's what universal, said. not U.S. But wow. then yeah. we get. But then for that's an that's technically an add-on though. It's on its own system. Yeah, that's true. But then you get to the 32x, which came out too soon, uh, two years after the Sega CD in '94. It did only eight hundred thousand. That should have been a huge, obviously red flag, that we are coming out with this stuff too quickly. Yes. Too many add-ons, and we have to take a break. The but, but they did. They the, did. They went. We we're doing a new system right after the this. Sega CD not being a huge success. That's you know, I I, I don't necessarily blame Sega. For, well, yes, they could have done a lot more to market it. I suppose they could have put more games into it. They could have focused more on how it. I think that was another point in time where they were focusing too much on the multimedia aspect of things. They yeah. wanted to do too much of the interactive fucking video shit, and they didn't focus. Prize Fighter. They didn't actually focus enough. Crisscross. They didn't actually focus enough on games that took advantage of it, like no, Lunar, no. Popful Mail, and stuff like that. They didn't. They didn't do that well. Um, but the 32x that was a truly bad idea from the beginning. Yes. Just an awful idea all around. Like I said, this, the CD unit, I get it, but the 32x was just that was that was miserable. Do you think if they didn't do the 32x and did, went to the Saturn, it, the Saturn would have done that much better? I think we've done a little bit. I don't. Think I think so. it would have done a little bit better. I think people. I, th- I think consumer. I remember being a kid, and, and I remember the Saturn it? coming out, oh. and I remember people. I remember laughing at it because you couldn't believe it. It was just coming out because I could. Uh, yes, yeah. I, remember, I. I mean, yeah. I would have been a teenager at the time, and I remember my friends and I being like, "This is fucking crazy." Because like, the third one just doing? came out, right? Exactly, like less than a year ago, and now you got this coming out. So, with people who are a little bit older who had money at the time, and they can tell me if I'm wrong or not. I mean, it's all hypothetical, anyways. But yes, I do think had the 32x not come out, the Sega CD could have been seen as. 
you know, an ahead of its time failure, and there might have been more trust in Sega going into the uh, Saturn. Um, but I do think the price point was a lot of it too. Three ninety nine from a company that just keeps releasing shit that gets no support. So, so uh, yeah, and and plus. I think, um, well, Sony's, I mark, I mean, I'm trying to remember, the Sony marketing campaign was great for the PlayStation at the time. Um, and they came out of, I think, I think people just wanted something different at that point. So it was also a nice way to slide in, you know, because you had, Nintendo with the N64 was seen as Kitty wasn't even out in the US yet. No. Um, but it was a, it was a perfect time for a new, for new blood to get into the market. And then they ran with it, Sony. They ate everyone's lunch. Well, I always say them. that the, like the, these new these new competitors come in after a serious stumble from a yes. prior competitor. And this so is two we stumbles, had, basically. So we had so- Sony coming in after Sega stumbled, and we got Microsoft coming in after Nintendo had a big stumble. Sure. Um, that's why I don't think a lot of these, and this isn't even to bring up other, specific other topics, but that's why I think we don't see a lot of truly new challengers to consoles these days, is we can argue the ups and downs of some of these systems, but they've all been relatively successful enough. There hasn't sure. been any stumbles as big as um, You can say the Wii U was a stumble, but, yeah, Ninten- the Wii U was. but Nintendo has those first party properties that keeps them. That's what we said. They had the first party properties. It doesn't matter. They can keep stumbling. True. People are going to buy it. And I, I do have to point... Yeah, that's right. I mean, obvious, I'm being crazy. The Wii U was a huge stumble, but I think at this point, Nintendo's already looked at it as its own thing. Yes. Not so much Nintendo as a- is immune. For right. lots of different reasons. We, we talked about this before. They have more money than God, and they have the first-party properties that no one else can touch. So, I mean, that alone, they're fine. They're, self, they're self-sufficient. Like, they can, keep, they can keep on rolling. And like I said, they, they make money. Off the, no one predicted how much money they make off the fucking Amiibo. And that even helped them during the Wii U, the bad Wii U times sure. in the 3DS. So, they're fine. So, so well, thanks for this uh, video game years, like a Saturn segment, 1995. <laughs> That's basically what we, we did. I don't, I, I can't remember if, like, I think I, I talked to you before the podcast, like, my cousins, the three boys, they had, like, every console that came out. Right. They may have had a Saturn. I don't remember them ever playing it. They just went straight to the PlayStation. Like, like most people did, obviously. They sure. just went to the, hey, just pop it, pop in, uh, uh, you know, just let's see. What were they playing? If you got a PlayStation right away, you, what do you say? You you, you would have got Ridge, 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 Ridge Racer for sure. I would have gotten Ridge Racer. I probably would have been sold on to Shinden. Um, everyone I knew who had it had that ESPN Extreme Games. That was really? awful, but I I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I I wonder if that happened to like be a cheap one like early on. Did, I don't know. I, I I wasn't looking at the magazines. Was there a huge amount of hype from magazines from the Japanese release uh, from the prior year for the PlayStation? Were they was it already being built? I don't know. I have that? to be honest. My knowledge of um, video game magazines from like the pre Saturn pre PlayStation era is uh, you know like post Genesis being a, a big deal. To I didn't get back into game magazines again until like Final Fantasy VII came out because that's sure. when I bought. My fine, uh, my PlayStation, and, I, and obviously Sony courted all the third parties that Nintendo and Sega couldn't get, so that obviously, right? Like they said, that wouldn't be able to happen since the third parties are on almost every console, so you don't, you wouldn't have that competitive advantage anymore. It doesn't exist. So anyway, yeah, wow. Well, there you go, Sega Saturn. Enjoy your nine million while the PlayStation did hundred and two point four nine million. Holy shit! For the first console out of the gate, that's. That's nuts. It I mean, is. holy crap. Ian, I got my first cell phone with one of the big wireless providers years ago, and I've honestly hated my monthly bill ever since. But then I discovered there's another option that can give me the same premium service I'm used to, but at a fraction of the cost. 
I could cut my wireless bill down to just $15 a month. 15 And save hundreds of dollars by switching to Mint Mobile. Oh, for that's anyone, fresh. For anyone out there who's looking to save without sacrificing service, switching to Mint Mobile is a no-brainer. For customers that hate their wireless bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile can cast can pass significant savings on to you. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus crazy fast 4G LTE. You use your own phone if you own it with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same number along with all your existing contacts. And they send it to you, the SIM card sent to you in the mail. It's easy. You got an app, you sign up. If you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. All right, to get your new wireless plan and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash podcast. That's mintmobile.com slash podcast. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash podcast. All right, Ian, we're talking about a little streaming app service. Mm-hmm. Little is gigantic. In terms of how much money's been invested in time and effort and 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 the, the people behind this. Quibi. Quibi. Now, for people out there who know what Quibi is. Quibi is a, a is an streaming app with all exclusive content that launched uh, it launched in April. I think late March, early April, it launched up there. And um or a little bit earlier, but they even advertised this on the Super Bowl. It was advertised. There was commercials for it. Um, it's been all over TV about this. It launched April 6th. Okay. It was early April. And this was founded by Jeffrey Katzenberg, who used to be the head of Disney. And then he, he helped uh, get DreamWorks going. And Meg Whitman is the CEO, used to be at Hewlett Packard. Um, and this has a lot of money behind it and a lot of, a lot of big money. It's like almost $2 billion dollars invested in, into this so far as platform. Some of the major investors are, are Hollywood Studios, like Walt Disney Company, NBC Universal, Sony Pictures, Warner Media, Liberty Global, Viacom CBS, and the Alibaba Group. So there's a lot a lot of heavy hitters behind this to get this up up and going. And um it's a weird it's weird because you know I think they're trying to change it as you'll see in this New York Times article, but it's only for mobile apps, this platform. Only. Not like how you can watch Netflix on your computer or on your Roku device or your, or your smart TV or your phone or tablet. Only a mobile device, which would be a, technically a phone or, or um, a tablet. So, Andy, and everything you watch has a 10-minute yeah. time limit. That's the other thing about this. Even if the sh- even for what you're watching is a movie, they're cut down to 10 minutes or less chapters for you to watch. Right. So you have this artificial designation of these short, I guess for Quibi, like bites or bite-sized little things. That's what the marketing is. It's supposed to, to be watch. for on-the-go people or something. Or shit like you're that. standing online at a supermarket and you want to watch something 10 minutes or less. This or or you're you're going to work like on a train, I guess, or on a bus. This is the app for you. That's the mentality about it. So, so like I said, I you didn't watch the Super Bowl stuff, but there's been tons of commercials for this. No, I did not. I um, did not. Yeah, I, I was unaware of that. So, 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 so the, here's the thing, though. If, if if at home you're questioning what the market is for this, congratulations, everyone else has too, because it's it's not done well so far. No, it hasn't. 
uh, and it, he's he's blaming it entirely on uh, coronavirus. And Jeffrey Jeffrey Katzberg. Yeah, has. Jeffrey Katzenberg is uh, it, the 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 literal quote is I attribute everything that has gone wrong to coronavirus. Everything says man who can't take responsibility for having a bad idea. Well, here's the thing: if, if you really think that your 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 um, streaming platform is only set for people to be on the go running errands or getting transported to work, that's a you're, you're already limiting what your potential audience is because who the hell needs a specific entertainment platform just for very specific periods of time and not while you're at home relaxing with your with your loved one or your kids or when you're in bed why would you need to slice out this really particular piece of that marketing pie like this like the same thing we talk about with stuff like the amico or stadium well, that's exactly you're, you're what doing, i was gonna bring up you're like trying to find this very niche audience, audience. That I doesn't pro- exist. I, that's exactly what I wanted to say, I'll, and I promise this is not an Amico uh, uh, segment. But that's exactly what I was thinking when I looked at this. Is I don't understand these people who are trying to act like the thing they are creating does not exist elsewhere, and they are acting like people can't get that content elsewhere or entertainment. When, when yeah. you when you slice when you purposely slice off a part of a market mm-hmm. just so you can say that you're catering to this market. It's something that I don't think is working anymore. People on the go know that they can pull up YouTube. They know that they can pull up YouTube and find tons and tons of things for five to ten minutes to watch. If, or, they, or, if they just need five to ten minutes. Or they can fuck around on Twitter, Instagram. which they've done forever. Or Instagram. Yeah. Or any number of things. Vani, at night, like she constantly will scroll through and she laughs at things. And I go, what are you watching? She's like, oh, videos. What are you scrolling through? Instagram, Facebook, any... No-. Like yeah. The answer is always different, but that's exactly what she's doing. Is She's going through and she's catching up with like the day's short video clips the funny clips the news clips etc you don't need a special app to do that so what what i saw before so it basically to this point was like 1.8 billion dollars 1.8 that doesn't include how much money they're gonna be spending to get because the only way this works if it's exclusive content like they right. brought back Rio 911 um that, that's probably the biggest thing I saw them bring back, which is nice to see Christie's Court with Chrissy uh, Teigen is a show on there. There's movies on there that are cut down artificially on there uh, as well. Um, that drives me nuts, like artificially uh, cut down into chunks. It, it's weird. And then um, many people who downloaded Quibi had a simple question. Why can't I watch it on TV? In response, Ms., Mr. Katzberg and Miss Whitman have backpedaled on their original commitment to a smartphone-only app. That's really troubling when you have... $1.8 billion and the and money from the literally the biggest entertainment companies in the world, like like Disney, NBC Universal, uh, like Sony and others, that don't see ahead of time how this could be a, a product that is trying to create an audience that doesn't exist. And yeah. it, it just boggles my mind, whether it's a, whether it's a, a streaming gaming platform or or a, a new game console that you, you you in your head think this is a good idea without, I mean, really testing this with market research to say, is this a good idea before I have tons of money put into this? Right. I'm not talking about a focus group. I'm talking about regimented, quantitative market research, which is which was my background before this. Is there a market for this product before I put tons of money into developing it? Right. A brand new concept. Obviously, Google Stadia didn't do it. No. They're just going to toss it out within probably a year or so. 
I mean, it's just bizarre to me. It's bizarre to think that this thing, to already backpedal a month after release shows me that you're in trouble. You didn't understand your audience to begin with or what the audience actually was or what the number was. So this is what the download numbers were. Are you ready for this? <laughs> after guess. For a $1.8 billion app? Let's see. Where was it? I just had it now. I just lost the fucking paragraph that had it uh, about what this was doing. Okay. It's a 90-day uh, trial, first off. Ian, after the 90 days, you would think this would be an app that costs you a couple bucks if it's mobile only. Oh, no. It's four ninety nine a month with ads. So you still oh. get ads. Or seven ninety nine without ads a month. So basically doing that Hulu model of you can get cheaper with ads or pay more without. Like, what? Who's going to do that when, you, when that person <laughs> can watch Netflix on their phone with the same... You know what I mean? Like, I'm already paying, whatever, 12 bucks a month for Netflix, and... Uh, like, why don't I just watch that on my phone if I'm on the go? Or right, like, like why would I need a separate service to, with inferior programming? Probably, and to you do can that. pause stuff like when you're on the go. Like the whole breaking it up into ten minute bites that is selling something that no one asked for. No one wants. No one love. No one's favorite thing about streaming stuff is the period in between one episode ending and the next episode starting. Sure. Just hit the pause button, put it back in your pocket, and walk away. You already are paying for this somewhere else. D- uh, downloads have been anemic despite a lineup that includes producers and stars like Jennifer Lopez, LeBron James, Idris Elba, Steven Spielberg, and Chrissy Teigen. So they're just throwing money at people to come on the platform. Yeah. But it's not working. It's not working at all. Plus, because from in this article, it says, like, there is no way to to link social media with this app. There was no easy way to say, oh, I want to share this. You know, usually you go on a website and be like, oh, I want to share this. And I want to send it on Facebook or send it right, on Twitter. Right. That wasn't even integrated, according to this article. They had nothing like that. You couldn't share? Like, so how you, like, it, it, it boggles my mind on this. Um, Quibi fell out of the list of the 50 most downloaded free iPhone apps. Remember, it's free to start. I, and then you have to cancel it. It takes your credit card. You have to cancel it before they start charging you. Um, a week after it went live on April 6th, it fell out of the 50 most downloaded. It is now ranked 125 behind the game app Nakamal and the language learning app Duolingo. Even with a free 90-day trial, the app has been installed by only 2.9 million customers, according to Sensor Tower. Quibi's, That's insane. Quibi says the figure is more like 3.5 million. Of those who have installed Great. the app, like I have, the company says 1.3 million are active users, and obviously, not all of them are going to stay on after the trial. So no, what, what's the what's the per customer acquisition cost? If if it, if it even was 1.3 million, oh, we're going to do some fun pat math here because this is going to be insane. One million three hundred thousand active users. What did I say? 1.8 billion. Yes. Divided by let's see, one eight. Let's see how many how many things are in that? 1.8. I can't even do it in my calculator. It only goes up to 180 million. I can't even calculate it out. It's a lot. It, it, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's millions of dollars per person. You know, it's like to get a million. That's insane. It's like a million dollars per person per active user again. Plus, from what I read, um, they they've been, they are set to spend like another half a billion this year to get more exclusive content because you have to keep getting more content. That's what Netflix does. Right. That's what Amazon Prime does. You have to keep spending money. So... Um, this is going to be folded, obviously, at some point in time. It's just a matter of when they're going to cut their losses. 
Uh, Mr. Katzenberg's got a little bit of dry humor here, though, uh, from this oh. article. Uh, Quibi placed a large bet on news program programming for a lineup of shows from NBC, BBC, Telemundo, and ESPN that it filed under the name Daily Essentials. Interest in those segments has been minimal. The Daily Essentials are not that essential, Mr. Katzenberg quipped. Oh, my God. I don't think any of it is, though, bud. Um... Coming soon, Quibi will be less walled off from the internet, and users will be able to share its content on social media platforms. So when I see these, when I see that you have a, and this isn't an ageism thing, but I think when you, when it comes to how quickly technology moves, when you have a, you know, a founder and CEOs are like in their sixties or almost seventy, I think they really are not in touch, at least to me, with, with how younger people are actually consuming media. No, and that's it, what it seems it, like. I, I would not say that's an ageism thing. I would uh, just say that that's that's a that's a these people end up so walled off from the everyday world that they have no idea what people actually do. They think they can just advertise and spend tons of tons of money advertising this app on on social on, on commercials and literally Super Bowl commercials and that's it. We're set. That's not how this works. It's like Trump thinking you needed ID to buy groceries however many months ago that was. That was like last year or something like that. Oh, that's right. I remember. You all use an ID to go buy groceries. He says, no, we don't. Anyways. So it's someone that is not in, 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 in lockstep with what, what, the, what the actual current generation is actually doing. Correct. Yeah, it, it's troublesome. I just don't, I, I don't see, I guess the reason I saw, I see all these big entertainment companies backing this because of uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg's involvement, involvement in this, and that's why they're, they're putting the money in. I just don't see why they would even bother splintering off into doing this why would disney i guess being an investor in it just in case maybe they can say well if it, if it gets its own market it won't take away from our disney plus and obviously everything else and we can build off it maybe that's why i just wouldn't see it from an outside perspective if you're someone like disney why would you bother for something like this like why would you you can make your own app with your own stuff without sharing it you know sharing the profits and and you're basically you're basically sharing an entertainment platform with competitors that's what you're basically doing I, it, it's bizarre. I, 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 like when this was announced, I didn't get an idea of what this was. I mean, from the commercials, you couldn't really tell. Just like, oh, it's a quick. We're watching a Quibi. It's quick, you know. But then, but then seeing, seeing how much money has been put into this is, wow. They're not even licensing content. They're just creating it all themselves. That's that's, yeah. It, it's 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 mind blowing to me. Yeah, that's the other thing. I don't. It's going to be hard to get people to pay for stuff that they don't know if they like already. Until recently, Quibi pr- promoted its service as a whole rather than marketing any particular show, which again is awful because when you see stuff, yeah, that was a bad idea. Because when you uh, do that, that's also going to lead people to download it and then go, "Oh, there's fucking nothing on here." Or how do I find never, stuff? And then never use so it. So, like, like one of the things that, like, um, was it Mar- was it Marvelous Miss Maisel and uh, uh, the Tom, the good Tom, the great Tom Clancy, uh, Jack Ryan show on Amazon Prime? It's like, oh. I know that shows on Amazon Prime. I want to see Jack Ryan. Like that's what I want sure. to get Prime. Like you, you want to draw people in. Um, like why would you draw people? You won't draw me in saying, "Oh, we have quick ten minute shows." Oh, oh, great. Of what? I'll be like, "That's of fine. what?" I have. I can find plenty of things that are perfectly. Yeah, it's whatever. On a recent installment of The Last Dance, the ESPN documentary series on the ninety-seven, ninety-eight Chicago Bulls, Quibi ran a commercial for Blackballed, a docu series about the National Basketball Association banning of the LA Clippers owner Donald Sterling. On the season finale of Saturday Night Live this past weekend, it advertised its reboot of the Comedy Central show Rio 911. There you go. That's a little bit better. This is what you're spending money on sure. or out to watch. It's probably too late, though. Right. That's the thing. It's probably too late to do that. 
And I, and I love Reno 911. I, I watched every episode. I, I saw the movie in theaters. Wow, that's already been gone now for like 12 years. Jesus. God, that, that to me is kind of weird too. That's, like a, that's a different generation. That would be interesting. Younger people don't know what Reno 911 is. The Instagram crowd doesn't know what Reno 911 is. They were, they were kids when it came out. Yeah, I see a lot of people talk about Reno 911. I'm talking, when I say kids, I mean like you're marketing this to people using an iPhone. I'm talking 18 year olds. Okay. I'm talking 20 year olds. I'm not talking like even 30. Like that's how, that's the market you have to grab here on your, your mobile only streaming platform here. When, the, when did Reno 911 end? Was it like 2009? I did see a clip from it. They both, they, they, they look still pretty good, uh, pretty good still, most of them. And they brought back the, the people they killed off the next to last season, which was stupid. Um, let's see. It ended in 2009. Wow, it's been 11 years. Wow. That's nuts. And that was a great show in Comedy Central. They had a fucking movie in Miami. It was actually, it was actually pretty good. It wasn't great. It was pretty good. The movie. Anyway, so that's all I'm going to say. I just think it's interesting how these projects get funded and, and get off the ground with so much money put behind them and without doing that much. I, I can't picture them doing that much research uh, on this to think there would be an audience for this or... Or I don't know, or or do some sort of small, or, or find an equivalent. That's the thing when when you're doing a product where there's no equivalent before, there's no equivalent that I've ever heard for something like this before. Mobile only. We're gonna watch stuff, ten minutes like small chunks. I I don't know. Uh, Not that I can think of. No. When when you're doing something like that, you really have to make sure your ducks are in a row, obviously before you throw money behind that. So. Okay, uh, we have a Patreon. Ian. We do. How do you access that Patreon? Go to patreon.com slash cu podcast uh you look around you look you look around you, you open you, up you your put wallet. on your you put on your vr headset you look around you open up your wallet hey, there's, you an, go, there's an ian writing you open up your wallet and you go Ugh. i got some money here that i can give these chaps and then in return we have things like uh weekly writings one should be going up today or tomorrow <laughs> it's written tomorrow know, i'll tomorrow. schedule for goes up tomorrow i like scheduling for wednesday for some reason that's Pat for you. Big old Wednesdays. Um, Wednesday's the best day of the week. Sorry, you won. Ooh, you. I think you have a lot of people argue that. Tuesday's the worst. Even before the podcast, Tuesday was always the worst day of the week. <laughs> All right, anyway, go on. Anyway, we do uh, poll topics. Full video podcast is up there. Yes. We do a hangout. I'm doing one this Saturday, 11, 11 a.m. Okay, Saturday. I got I to gotta put that up in that post. Uh, but, but here's our poll topic this week. Yeah. And second, third place, pretty close. People, people like our selections this week. In third place, would the value of complete inbox NES games be different now had they used plastic cases? Only 21%. In second place, deep dive discussion, 24%. And in first place, games that you enjoy playing that everyone else seems to hate. Um, I have a, a, a good number of them. Most of them are... Hate's a strong word. Most of them are older games. Um, but two for the Nintendo. Pat probably knows which ones that I'm going to say uh, that I very much enjoy playing from time to time um, that no one, I think, in their right mind truly enjoys. Uh, Tom Sawyer. Uh, Tom Sawyer, I the think, is arguable. Of, the Adventures of Tom, Tom Sawyer. Sawyer. I, think, I think that one's debatable. It's a very hard, very simple game. You gave it three stars. Based on pattern memorization, it's pure. I love it, and I stand by those three stars, but I know a lot of people who have played it, and they're like, eh, I don't, I don't know so much about that. Uh, Wally Bear and the No Gang, however, is a game <laughs> is a game that I fucking love. And part of it is, yeah, it's a little, you know, 
funny, you know, a little tongue in cheek, <laughs> the old the old anti drug messaging. But Do people hate Wally Bear in the No Game. It's, I mean, it's it was an AVGN video way back in the day. Yeah, um, but people didn't know about it. The game is incredibly rough around the edges. Uh, the control is not very good. It's not what I would call a well made game, but it also it, it, it scratches the itch I have for games where you have like one hit or one life Tom Sawyer is similar you can die very quickly in Tom Sawyer um, and you just have to get through the levels memorization and perseverance and just learning the weird programming that goes into it to like try to figure out how is this frisbee going to whip across the stage out of nowhere this time you know what, what am I going to have to avoid I like playing games like that even ones that are not particularly well made um as far as more modern stuff goes, uh, I was actually a not a big first-person shooter fan, but I was actually a pretty big fan of the first-person shooter uh, Brink that Bethesda put out on the 360 and PlayStation 3. Um, it was an objective-based first-person shooter uh, with teams. Um, each person that you picked would play a little bit differently, so it wasn't quite like a Team Fortress or a... Uh, an Overwatch, but it had similarities. Um, it was brightly colored, um, something that later drew me into um, Overwatch. Um, it had some interesting parkour elements that made moving around and uh, you know moving around the battlefield fun. Um, it just never took off. It did not do well. It was reviewed mediocrely. Um, it did not have a lot of content at the beginning of its uh, at the beginning of it, which I think hurt it. Um, so it was quickly abandoned. But I enjoyed it. Uh, I genuinely enjoyed that game. I'm looking at certain NES guide app. I'm just looking at any game below two and a half stars. So. That's basically what I want to go off of here. Um, I did not give it a good review. It's not. A, it's not a. Uh, it's not a shooter. Uh, Back to the Future. I enjoy Back to the Future on the NES. I enjoy it. It's not a good game. I enjoy playing it for some reason. I enjoy. I enjoy. I enjoy the 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 rhythm you get. Yes, it's the rhythm in the walking, and it's very challenging. There are points where you have to play perfectly, especially if you don't have the bowling ball. I I like that. The mini games are are interesting. They're they're semi broken. The mini games, but the fact that they're I like mixing it up. Otherwise, how can you play this stupid game without the mini games? Um, I, I I love the soda mini game, the heart you know collecting the hearts. I don't do as well with the, with the with the um, uh, on stage with the guitar. I usually don't do as well. And 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 the last mini game in Delorean is is hell on earth. Um, it's like it seems random uh, with the lightning strikes. But I like I I like the game for what it, for what it is. I like that game. And sure. a lot of people don't. I don't like it, but I I, I get it. And that's what goes back to something like. Um, Wally Bear, which I think is a better example because that would not—I did not give that one a good review. Um, I gave it two stars, and the user users is, is a one and a half, so I'm not far off from the user base on the app, at least for that one. But, all I'm getting is I, I get it, and I think you you nailed it when you said rhythm. There's a lot of old games that may not be particularly well made, but if I've played them enough to get into a rhythm, or if I can get into a rhythm with them, and I see some semblance of logic working yes. in the game. Somewhere, there's a lot. There's a logic to Back that, to the Future. Then, then I can play it, and I can probably enjoy it and have a better time with it than most people do. And, and or something like Wally Bear. Obviously, the game, the, the, Color Dreams, and and Wisdom Tree. Obviously, the gameplay was trash. 
They knew that. So yeah, let's just do a wacky but it, story. But it actually felt tighter than some of the other stuff. Like but, a lot of their stuff, that, that's that's another reason why I give it credit. It's not a good game, but it at least functions more or less properly. But it looks like a game still. And it has yes, a, a it story. It has a pastiche that's unique. And it has uh, the music is like is memorable, kind of. <laughs> Sorry, it's in my head. There's there's a charm to some of those games, even though they're not good games. There's a charm to them. They they worked with what they had. Yeah. they're not totally abysmal. Some of them, like actually, it was just an, an abomination. You know, Wally Bear's a bad game, and Raid Twenty Twenty is a bad game. But Wally Bear is playable, whereas Raid Twenty Twenty is a fucking mess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But Raid Twenty Twenty is like the bottom of the barrel. It's so there. bad. It's like, well, no, Deathbox is bad too. Deathbox is pretty bad. Deathbox is bad. These are games yeah. that I like to point to when people are like, "You choose the worst game ever." I'm like, it's, no, it's not. not. No, it's not. It was a good idea, poorly executed. It's fine. You can play it. You can play it and beat it if you try hard enough. And sure, you can say that about Raid Twenty Twenty as well. But I, you know what? I like Platoon. It's not a good game. I like Platoon on the NES. Because I rented it and was horrified by the, the Viet Cong stabbing me in the face in the first person part when I was like you know nine mm-hmm. years old, mm-hmm. but that was uh, that that was when I was I was liked even though it's bad. Rambo never really played Rambo. Uh, I'm just going up NES because I have the app in front of me and there's no Super Nintendo app yet uh, to go off of. And any um any any Super Genesis ones that you like that everyone else hates? And well, you're a Genesis guy, so. Um, well, actually, uh, so I would say that I, uh, not Genesis, but I, I do actually have very fond memories of the Extreme Games game on the PlayStation. That was the launch title. That was a racing game. I don't think anyone has any fond memories of that or particularly would ever want to go back to it. I do like that. Um, and then as far as games on the Genesis go, uh, I have a slight soft spot for Wolverine's Adamantium Rage, which was a very, very bad LJN. That's a bad game? It's not good. Um, the collision is bad, I remember that. But it was a game that my mom bought my brother and I from the supermarket because the Wegmans used to do uh, video game rentals and they would occasionally sell their old stuff. And she knew that we were big into X-Men, so she bought it and we played it. And I was like, this isn't great, but we just kept playing it. And I was like, it's all right. Hudson Hawk on the original Nintendo, too. That game gets trashed. The first level's fun. I can find a lot of fun in some shit games if I need to. So. Let's see. This has to be off. This is. I just found a bug on that one. I think it's coming up wrong, because Hudson Hawk is giving way too many stars on this. I think this is wrong. But I'll, I'll check it. I'll check it from the book in a, in a second. You know what? I like it. Okay. I have a love-hate relationship with Akari Warriors. I loved it in the arcade, obviously on the NES. It's a really fun arcade game. You wanna, it's you wanna sta- awful. You want to stab your eyeballs out in the NES, but hey, it's what I had. It's what I liked. There's some weird charm to that game. I just wish it didn't take five fucking hours to play that game and get through it. Um, it, it it's extremely difficult on the NES uh, to play that game. I, I, I love I love those the top-down running gun shooters like Commando and that. I, I love that stuff. Now I'm wondering about this one game. I'm not going to say it because... I don't want. To, I don't want to point out a, a an error in the app, but I think this one is, is is coded wrong here. Oh no, it's not. Okay, I'm not going to say what game has a controversial rating in in, in the book. <laughs> then a little higher than I would have given that, but okay. It's within their it's within their right there. It's actually it's actually a game Ian likes. That's not considered a great game. Ah, so anyway. Any PC games you, that would be hated that you like? PC is always a different sort of beast, right? Yeah, PC was always a different beast. 
I mean, I played everything that I got fucking handed to on the PC, and I liked most of it. So wacky races. Oh, I well, I played that on fucking line. <laughs> did did that, you really? Yeah, direct the direct the the host and slave like modem. I did two player with my friend, just called from our dial up to his and played online. My my mad bowl fell down. My mad ball. I, oh, I have two of them. Remember? Them? Did you have any mad balls as a kid? Mm-mm. You didn't have any. You didn't have any balls. So anyway, all right. Anything else? We we miss any? Uh, Trying to think of any big ones I missed. Uh, uh, Rygar. Some people hate Rygar for some reason. I think I think that it's the people that hate Rygar really haven't really played it to understand what exactly is in that game and how for the time uh, it's better than most of the NES games that came out at the time. I also feel like that's a, uh, that the same thing can be said about uh, one that I actually like on the NES that is it seems to be 50-50. Uh, Fester's Quest. It's one of those sure. games where it's good but I, I think a lot of people play it a couple of times and get immediately frustrated, frustrated because it's hard at the beginning and you don't know what you're doing but if you can play for a little bit start getting some items and some power-ups Fester's Quest is actually yeah. a pretty fun game I got to, I got to the last I got to the last guy in Rygar when I was like 8 years old so I mean that's one reason why I probably needed glasses but like if I figured it out when I was 8 you can figure it out now it just takes sure. you gotta read the manual of course you gotta get the clues from the and the guys with the big white, be- the ball guys with the big white beards. Yep. And you, you just gotta, you gotta get through it. I, I think when you're, fo- it goes back to being forced to play what you have. You, you, you figure it out. You figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Some games might come at you a little harder, a little harsh. And I think a lot of games, like I said, I think Fester's Quest and Sure Rygar are good examples of that. Uh, if you had a bunch of games, or if you know this wasn't a game you had as a kid, yeah, you probably gave up on it. But if it was just sitting there. And you're sitting there in the afternoon, and you're staring at this freaking game. There's nothing else to do, and none of your friends can come out and play. You're like, fine, let's just give this another go. And you realize that it's really not bad once you start playing it by its own rules. Sure. And, of course, no one hates uh, Danny Sullivan's Indie Heat. I'd stab him in the neck with a with a pen. So it's a great game. Great game. As I, as I look at the box. It is, but Off-Road is better. I'm looking at the, the, the Danny signed copy I have right there. <laughs> Did I ever show the Danny signed mm-hmm. copy from Portland a few yep. years ago? It's worth worth his weight in gold. Put that up, uh, water grade that. Put that up on Harris Austin for a million dollars. Alright, well, well that's our that's our Patreon poll. Q&A time on the CU podcast. This is from At The Unnecessary Fan. Thoughts on Nintendo's impressive first quarter sales numbers, particularly Animal Crossing selling 13.5 million copies and the Switch passing 55 million units. Um, I don't have a whole lot of numbers in front of me to make like profound statements, but I, I'll say I, I, I'm less concerned about Nintendo's first quarter sales numbers. Uh, the, the Switch has been doing well. The Switch has been doing very well. We know that. Excellently. Um, that, that's, that's great. Um, but I don't have a whole lot more to say about the Switch itself. What is interesting to me is Animal Crossing selling 13.5 million fucking copies. That's insane. How many copies of... Uh, now, I, I know it's not the greatest uh, uh, comparison, but how many copies ha- uh, in total have sold of... Um, Breath of the Wild? Breath of the Wild. Uh, I'll bring it up in a second. You go um, but I'll keep going. Um, to put this like into comparison, this is to uh, compare it to another game that had a lot of hype. Um, the Final Fantasy VII remake, I believe, did 
at least Japan only numbers. I could be a little bit wrong. Uh, so wrong. I think this might be only Japan did something like three point seven five million in its first week, and I think under a mil its second week. Um, that's a game that people have been looking forward to for a long, long time. Um, on a system that has an insane install base and has been out for forever. So sure. it should, you know, it, what I'm getting at is the hardware it's on is not really a hurdle to, to moving moving oh. units of it. Um, so I, that that's wild. And it has, and while Animal Crossing is a great game and I'm happy to see it uh, doing well, I love Animal Crossing and always have. So much of that I think has to do with the current pandemic situation. Oh. Oh, that the, yeah, obviously that. I mean, that, I mean, you, it, it certainly. You can't helped. find a switch. You can find switch lights. You can't find a regular switch anymore, right? In stores, it's, it's like when it first came out for the first, you know, six months, you couldn't find it. And easily. I think, I think it's it, it's very much a perfect game for uh, a situation like now where people have to stay inside and they're cooped up. Um, you know, in Animal Crossing, you get to go outside in your own world and play and talk to people and build things and set things up how you want. And yes, I expect the game would have done very well. Um, there was going to be a huge amount of press on it when it came out anyways, but then it came out during, uh, right, like a week, it came out a week into lockdown, at least in Southern California. So it's been like six weeks it's been out about. Yeah. Okay. So it came out a week into lockdown uh, in Southern California, and I think the chatter of it online that was naturally going to be there mixed with the fact that people need something to do and it's easy to get into and very accessible to everyone has just propelled the numbers of it through the roof so breath of the wild sales trying to find up to date as of january 30th did 16.3 million on the switch and 1.6 on the wii u so 18 million total if you want to count just the switch then it's we'll just say 16 and a half it's probably done about that in the past few months Say sixty and a half million. So it's done. Let's. I'll be generous. Let's say it's done four million more sales. I, I'm just going to give it a big, a, a big uh, buffer. Maybe five. It's, it's done four million to five million more sales in three years than what Animal Crossing has done in six weeks. If you're not counting the Wii U, yeah. I, I you can count the Wii U. It wasn't that many, but okay. Yeah, and and obviously that's a huge attach rate. For, well, well, I mean, it was, we said it was, it was all over 100% attached rate for Breath of the Wild when it came out. We talked about it before. So, I bought it before I got the Switch. So I'm not saying yeah. that this has never been done, but... Uh, it's I'm, impressive for a game like I'm, Animal Crossing. I, right, and I'm struggling uh, to think of, 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 of really it, recent numbers or really recent games that have done similarly. Like I said, Final Fantasy VII Remake, I figured, would be a decent comparison because people already have the system. They don't even have to go out and get it. Is and it, that is something that people have been looking forward to for decades. Is this also sort of also doing that well because we're now this is the first time, I guess, on this console or in a, in a while where like you have a game that that's this sort of if you want to call it casual that Nintendo's pushing. So and, and now with people playing mobile games more, they're they're more inclined to gravitate towards something like this. Maybe, but I, 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 I still don't think that would explain it. I, I think a lot of it has to. I, I think it's truly a we're all stuck doing nothing, and word of mouth has really pushed and, this game into the the forefront. Um, I mean, everyone's doing memes and stuff on this game. Guy Fieri had you know jokes about it. It's it's been everywhere. It's it's, it's a phenomenon. Yeah, it's become a phenomenon. It's like it's like it's like there's something that happens every few years when it comes to gaming, whether whether it's uh, 
Fortnite or Minecraft or Pokemon Go where everyone's talking about it. Yeah. It just gets into the public zeitgeist, right? Yeah. And I'll be perfectly happy. It makes me real happy to see a game like Animal Crossing finally achieve that because people are recognizing now what I think a lot of people have known forever that games don't necessarily need to have these like hardcore goals Um, to provide an experience that's engaging, especially one that's relaxing. Trying to find download numbers for the uh, Pocket Camp uh, app to see how well it did. Oh, jeez, I have no idea. Because uh, that came out... That only came out less than three years ago. Okay. I downloaded I never really played it. I think I, I set up. I never got into it. I never did Pocket um, Camp. I've played almost every Animal Crossing. It grossed... Uh, the first year, it grossed 50 million, but I don't know what, what that means in downloads. Obviously, sure. it probably did well. So... Well, there you go. I mean, uh, Animal Crossing is doing uh, gangbusters, maybe because it, it's a, it's like you said, you're going outside. Ah, we're happy. We're fishing and, and hanging out with our friends. You can't really hang out with that many friends uh, now. You're not one supposed its, to. Yeah, one of its biggest you know. appeals was this idyllic, happy world. And now that we're, and that was before this. And now that we're in a situation where no one, it's it's perfect. And in terms of, of the Switch still doing better than I thought it would ever do, I, it's past what I thought it would do in its whole lifespan. Already, it's going to pass the NES at 62 million probably this year sometime. Uh, maybe in, a, in like four or five months from now, it's going to pass that. Definitely by Christmas, it'll probably pass that. People, people like the concept of of, of uh, they just like this concept. They like the fact that it's portable. They like the game. Obviously, they like the first party games on it. And p- enough people, I always said, people were not or dismissing the fact that they're skipping the Wii U. The Wii U did not have many people so now it's now okay now we're 14 years later from the Wii that's a good enough time to get back into it and now you have a family now you got your own kids that's a proper distance like every 15 years you know if you if you skipped a couple of consoles you come back in there's a there's a lot of nostalgia right behind the switch as well there is they market it the marketing's all like people like in their late 20s early 30s for the most part like it's people that you know that oh this is not their first Nintendo console this could be their third Nintendo console that's how they market it sure they, they, they market it to young adults you know which is fine and, and obviously they have kids as well and share it with their kids and um, I, I guess people people just when they, whenever they dismiss Nintendo you can't dismiss the, you can't dismiss their, their, their library of stuff it's well thought out it's they're high quality Experiences people don't feel shortchanged buying those first party, you know, the, the first party stuff for the most part, right? No one ever says I got, I got, I feel shortchanged. You have a couple right. people out there who will say things like, you know, Link's Awakening shouldn't have been sixty. Sure, I even said that maybe it shouldn't be that much. <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, no one gets real angry about these complaints. Even I would say, I mean, I love Link's Awakening. I'm sure you probably could have sold it for forty, but sixty. I- at the end of the day, the polish and the work that goes into the games. I, I think if every Nintendo game was like that, you'd start hearing more complaints, but I think people complain less because they know they're going to put the effort into making yeah, the, it a decent game. The biggest one I thought should have been a value title was 1-2 Switch. I thought that if that was impacted, that should have been cheap. It should have been. Because if that was a $30, $40 game, they would have sold a ton of them. At $60... No. Yeah. That to me doesn't... That's the one where I say that doesn't provide the value. That's like a tech demo that they should have they should have just put, hell. They should they should put it out right now, uh, cheap on the, the fucking eShop and sell. They sell a ton right now. It's Nintendo. Just, they won't just for. I, I understand that they have like their sort of. This is the value of our stuff. Either you get it or you don't. Right. That which I respect that. But for something like that, one two switch, which is not going to be a franchise, like a one off. Yeah, put up for twenty bucks, you'd sell a million of them during the fucking pandemic, just for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. You know, make something. But they're not like that. I, I kind of respect that. I guess. 
Anyway. All right. Um, want to do this final one, or are you done? Let's hold on to it for now. <laughs> we've had so many previous weeks where we haven't had a good Q&A, Q- and we've skipped them, and uh, I'm sure my pal Rick can wait one more week, um, because it's a good Q&A, but it is not time-sensitive, so we will hold off on that, I okay. think. Okay. Well, we, that, was a good, that was a good Q&A. Yeah. And, uh, and we've we, we covered, like, eight things in the intro. All right. Well, that was it for the CU podcast. Uh, Pat's going to go try to figure out if I really want want to eat any more of that ice cream cake or, or just give a chunk to Ian Vonnie Carmel Crunchies, Ian. Mm. It's still just as good as it was when you were four years old. Delish. If, yeah, if, Carmel if, Crunchies are amazing. If I had known, uh, if I had enough, if, well, if during the pandemic, if I had known that Yoshi, or pal Yoshi would have made that great uh, artwork of the TurboGrafx ice cream cake, I would have went down to Carmel and, and see if they could make it. The one in San Ysidro said, can you make this cake for me? Probably not. They probably just can do a fancier fudgy the whale and, and make it graphics colored, you know, or, or cookie puss. I've actually never had a cookie cookie puss. I think I had a fudgy. I don't think I've ever had a cookie puss. Fudgy the whale is my favorite. So that you can get them down there? Yeah. At, at that retail mm-hmm. shop? Okay, next year. Call ahead, make sure, but it goes, like it's a small one. But yeah, you can call ahead and um, get the custom cakes. I don't know if they have to ship them in or if they have blanks there. Oh, they have the molds. Well, Right? It's all the molds they make them. Uh, if it's a small one, I think they actually get them delivered. But I, I, I'm not certain. Like, 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 like the, uh, like the supermarkets do. Oh, okay. They don't make them on site. That's what Carvels traditionally used to do. They, they would maybe mo- they do that. I, it's, it's just a mold. It's and a Carvel Express, yeah. so I don't. Oh, know. it's an Express. Yeah, it's not. You can get cakes from there, but because it's an Express, I'm not sure if they they're don't actually them. making them right there. They're probably not. Then you're right. They probably just make you a, a Sunday or something. Damn it! I miss Carvels. Like it's I said, not the though, same. Baskin-Robbins is not the same it. as Carvel. Call ahead. Baskin-Robbins is not the same as Carvel. That is creamy smooth, damn it. I don't think either of them are particularly that I amazing. Mean, but I do... I, what, what did I just say? Regular Carvel, whatever. But the fudge of the whale. That's important. The, the whale is important. And all the, all, the, all the commercials are on YouTube. You can watch all the commercials. Oh, yeah. Like, they're, they're hysterical. Like, 1984. They're great. Did yeah. you know that... Um, I love this little bit of intro. Uh, I don't know if they still do, but uh, Carvel used to, uh, once upon a time, uh, maybe they still do, did a St. Patrick's Day version of Cookie Puss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want to know what his name was? I forget the name, but yeah. <clears throat> Cookie O'Puss. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> which, that's... which is one of no, they did like, me, like the most hilarious They did ever. multiple ones of, of, of all of them, didn't they? Or at least of Cookie Puss. And the other, there was, what was the third one? Uh, the third, what the hell? I forget the third one. Fudgy the, Cookie Puss, and there was the other ice cream cake. Uh, the bear. The bear, yes, right. They, they did a different, they did seasonal ones of all of those. Well, and Fudgy got reused at Christmas time because uh, uh, Santa is just Fudgy turned upside down with different colors. Oh, that's right. They literally take Fudgy, turn them like this, and then color the hat on and then put the eyes and everything. They were that, the genius en- ice cream engineers at Carvel said, you know what? We're going to have a two for one mold. And no one's gonna know it. And I think I think uh, Cookie Puss has been used for a guitar. Uh, what? Before. Look at his face. He looks like a fucking an acoustic guitar. You can totally do it. But I know I know Fudgy is definitely it's, used for Santa. It's Hug Me the Bear. Yeah, that, Hug that's, Me Bear. That's, that's the third it. one. Why do I not have plush characters of all these at this point? Cookie Puss has his own Wikipedia. He's that important. I've read him. I've done. He has I've got, not just part of. He has his I own know, Wikipedia. I know that Cookie Puss's original name was a Celestial Person. That's what the CP initially stood for. He's an alien from space. Oh, that's why he had that weird voice in those early eighties yeah. commercials. Celestial Person. That's Cookie Puss. 
Cookie Cookie Puss is an ice cream cake character. That's just funny to say. Mm-hmm. Created by Carville in the 1970s as an expansion of its line of freshly made exclusive products along with Hug Me Bear and Fudgy the Whale. The cake is fashioned with a clown face that uses cookies for eyes and an ice cream cone for the nose. According to Mo- Carville's backstory for the character, mm-hmm. Cookie Puss is a space alien who was born on planet birthday. Mm-hmm. His original name was Celestial Person, but the initial CP later became known for Cookie Puss. In his television commercials, Cookie Puss has the ability to fly, though he requires a saucer-shaped spacecraft for interplanetary travel. During the 1980s, Cookie Puss was repurposed to serve as a cake for St. Patrick's Day, dubbed Cookie Puss, which continues to be sold annually. Ask me how many times I've read this entry. I'm not sure, but you basically <laughs> rattled it off. You basically rattled it off by by. I have it like memorized. Yeah, I've read up on Carvel at night while stoned so many times. It's ridiculous. I don't know why I have. Maybe such I've written that entry. Super, I don't know. Why do I, I? I hold ice cream art up to a supreme degree when it comes to Carvel and friendlies in terms of making ordinary ice cream treats into something magical. I don't know why. Uh, there was a supposedly not supposedly it happened. I just it wasn't recorded. I did a, a fifteen to twenty minute friendlies uh, fever dream rant in the fall of two thousand sixteen at the Syracuse Retro Game Con, and I just went off on how brilliant friendlies was forever. I was out of my mind because that was the end of the book tour, and I, I was going on pure adrenaline. And uh, no, I, that's I have, I have massive respect. I just wish we had real Carvels around here. We don't. We don't. But yeah, you basically rattled off that entire paragraph. Uh, I, I don't know. You could have been reading it. And I, I would have told. Certainly wasn't. I have just been there uh, at night it, many, many times. Cookie, C- Cookie Puss and Fudgy Will appeared in the Season 3, uh, Episode 7 of uh, FX Series Archer. And there's a long line in media. Of, of, it's funny because people that were born in the West Coast, uh, like my ex, were like, I don't know idea what Cookie P- Puss is. I'm like, because they're not out here. So you'd, you'd have no idea. Well, there's the famous uh, Beastie Boys uh Hey, uh, looking for Cookie Puss? It's called Cookie Puss. It's a yeah. signal, a, a single that came out with. It's, it, it's a skit. Yeah, it's the skit. Um, it's a skit going into a, a track. Not that, not that, not that much uh, love for Hug Me the Bear, though. It doesn't get the same love as the other two, though, kind for some creepy. reason. Kind of creepy. All right. Well, speaking of creepiness, uh, we gotta get going. Oh, that's creepy. That's weird. That that didn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it didn't. Well, I'm hungry. I'm tired. I'm gonna shoot you in the nipple. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Um, I placed a, a curbside pickup order for records, so I'm going to go get those. Okay, well, that's Ian. I'm Pat. Thanks, everyone, again, for the birthday wishes, for checking out the birthday stream. And about every Saturday Sunday now, I'm doing uh, 80s commercial block uh, streams, and I'm getting a kick out of those. And uh, I'm not hating them, Ian. I'm actually having a lot of fun. Oh, well, that's good. And, um, people, and, they, and, they, and people like them, because I basically give history lessons about all this weird, wacky shit. Now, I've not come across a Carvel commercial yet uh, there, because I'll probably lose my mind. All right, we'll see you later, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.